Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 330, Turkeys for Tomorrow, with Ron Jolly. And I am your co-host, and the guy who had some fresh, delicious wild turkey breast for dinner last week and i'm your co-host and the guy who has won the lottery yes you have (laughs) you still seem a little giddy i am and And rightly so can't hardly believe it um just statistically almost impossible i'm giddy and at the same time it's weird but it's stressful in a way, because uh-huh. it just ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, do tell. Well, for our listeners who are pursuing the Super Slam, which is everybody that's every turkey hunted now, I drew the Nevada tag for a non-resident. So there's five non-resident tags for the state of Nevada. The entire state. Yeah, five 
Now you can buy a landowner tag from somebody, you know, but that can get expensive. But there's five lottery tickets for a turkey in Nevada for a non-resident. I think there's only like 15 or well, no. So I think there's 25 or maybe a little more for residents. There's not many for residents. And no. I got one of the five non-resident turkey tags for Nevada this year. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just unbelievable. Can't believe I got it. And went from, I have an Excel document that is planned out to the day, every morning and afternoon, where my location is supposed to be. And now Nevada just hits smack in the middle of my most intense time of the season. And so I'm going to have to tear down and rebuild. But... When you draw that tag, it goes to priority A for the season. So Nevada's hit list number one now, and everything else will just have to fall into place after that. And I know this is not going to happen for you, but if you had to only hunt Nevada for your out-of-state trips this year, it's worth it. You've got to do it. You've got to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. And that's not going to happen, guaranteed. Because I only have eight days that I can hunt it. Exactly. And I'm really hopeful that it's not going to take all eight days, but I'd, I'm just going to have to figure on how this is going to work because I want to kill there, but I also don't want to, you know, I only can kill one turkey and I don't want to take off five days of work if I only need to take off two, you know? <laughs> right. So I'm going to have to figure out what that means as far as travel, you know, it may be where I book a one way to get into Nevada and then as soon as I kill my turkey, book a one way back out kind of thing. I haven't figured it all out yet, but well, I can tell you that I know someone who was trapped in Denver <laughs> and rented a car and drove it back home <laughs> straight overnight. So, you know, if you get over there with a one way plane ticket and can't get a one-way plane ticket back i know somebody that'll come pick you up and bring you back to to jackson i mean denver's a ways but uh believe nevada where i'll be hunting is a 30-hour drive (laughs) but there is a positive and that is that you will not have to drive through kansas that's that is true (laughs) i think let me look i may have to Uh, you go hit Dallas and... Oh, no, no. Yeah, I go through Nebraska, actually. Okay, well, that's just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Nebraska's got a little change-up in it, you know, when you when you get a little there's, bit there's further a... west in the state. Yeah, there's a hill there at one point. Yeah, you can get in the Black Hills, and it'll make things a little interesting if you had to drive it. That's right. right. No, I'm, I'm you, thinking I'll be able to get a flight somewhere. Yeah, you could easily get back unless there's a major springtime snowstorm and you've been there, yeah. done that. But yeah, well, that's, if that's the case, you know, I will. I could just run over into California and hunt or something. You know, twist my arm. Right. But Absolutely. We're, we're gonna it's have just, to figure it out. It's gotta happen. So yeah. I, I'll be interested to know how it goes. It's going to be an, uh, one of the more interesting hunts because that's got to be one of the most desolate states on earth. I mean, there's just not, it looks like a straight desert. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. I don't know if I'm going to be sitting with my back against a cactus or what's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. If any of our listeners have happened to have drawn that tag and hunted in Nevada before, I'm not wanting your spot, but if you want to reach out, I'd love to hear about your experience because it's just going to be very different from a swamp turkey in Tennessee, I have a feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's a state that gave Doc 
Weddle a little bit of trouble the last time he was there. That's what he said. It took him six days last year, he said. Yeah. But he has killed four turkeys in Nevada at this point. And Mm -hmm. I talked to the land manager out there. He said they used to have more turkeys, and they had three years of drought, which killed some of them. And then they had three years of flooding, which killed a bunch more of them. And so now they don't have as many. But I'm hopeful... I mean, they're setting the quotas by the number of tags they give out, so they obviously think they can take the, at least that number of turkeys off the landscape, in my mind, at least. Well, and that's another place, you know, and this is something we've talked about in the past with different states, but that's a place where they know how many turkeys they have. They can do an aerial survey out there. Oh, yeah. Count the number of turkeys that they have because they just don't have the forested areas like we do in the southeast and the northeast and the northwest and on and on and on so you know they've got a good idea of how much of that resource they have and and how much they can expend i think they estimate they have 1200 turkeys in the state Unbelievable. So hopefully yeah. they'll have 1199 after i get there i hope so too i hope so too <laughs> and for you guys if you haven't gotten the clue about how big of a deal this is for Cameron, just by what we've said already. Imagine killing a turkey in each of 12 or 15 states. I'd say, you know, maybe 10 to 12 states in a season. That's what killing one in Nevada is going to be like as as far as completing the Super Slam. So Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I was anticipating probably 10 years of putting in if then, you know. Yeah. uh, It just didn't happen. I mean, the the land manager for the place that I'm hunting, he's he said he finally drew a tag this year as well. He's on the same hunt as me, and he's been putting in for eight years. So this was his ninth year, and he finally drew a tag. Yeah, <laughs> he has five opportunities to get one. Yep. So yep. So I'll obviously keep you all posted on that. I'll be in Nevada April 10th for turkey hunting. So we'll see how that goes. I'm excited. Big stuff. Big stuff. Yep. Good deal, man. Well, I'm excited for you and look forward to hearing all about that. So April the 10th, that may cut in on your trip with me a little bit. So our trip is the following weekend, and that's something we got to discuss, but I'm going to try to make it work to where I can do both because wow. I've already planned Virginia, Maryland, and we're doing that. So we've We've talked about that a little bit yesterday, and if that's something that's got to be thrown by the wayside and done next year look i'll go hunt virginia every single year so don't make me twist your arm to go back to virginia i mean exactly yeah i'll go (laughs) hunt it again next year that doesn't bother me a bit no i'm definitely going to try to make it so i I told you yesterday i got to get on my excel document i've been traveling yesterday and i'm traveling today for work so i haven't been able to sit down with my excel doc to reconstruct my 2021 season but I'm going to do that probably this weekend. We'll see how that goes. But this was not even a thought in my mind that this could happen. You know, I I hadn't even considered that Nevada could hit and had everything, I mean, to a T. It was a great plan that I get to throw out, but we'll see. Yeah, good deal. Yeah. Well, you know, I had fresh turkey breast this week. My story's not nearly as exciting as yours, but it, it, you know, still makes me smile and makes my belly happy. Heck yeah, man. How nice was that February fresh turkey flesh that you got to dine on? It was really good. And, you know, I have, I have never killed a hen. And 
That's what I killed when we were in Utah. Can't say that anymore. That's right. That's now right. You have a taste for hen blood. You're just going to go massacre them, right? Well, and so <laughs> here's what's even better about killing the hen. It's a young of the year hen. It's a Jenny. Yeah. And not even so, a breeder. man, I mean, talk about tender. Mm-hmm. There really was no reason to use the jacquard on it. It just, but I did anyway, and it was really good. Really yeah. good. A little garlic powder, a little salt, a little pepper, and some Parmesan cheese. Ooh. Grated, not grated, but, uh, you know, the, the ground Parmesan cheese like you'd sprinkle on top of your spaghetti or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Bake in the oven. Man, just almost Great. cut it with a fork. Yeah. You know, I, I killed the Jake the day before you got your hen in Utah and had to freeze him to get him home. So I just kept him frozen when I got home. And so I dined on a Georgia gobbler from last year because I'm trying to eat the older turkeys that I've frozen. And yep. since the Jake was frozen, I'll keep him for last out of the current stock in the freezer. But I've eaten the hen before as well because I killed two in Missouri during the fall this past season. And I'm like, it, it really is a big difference, you know, kind of like a doe and a buck for deer. Mm-hmm. There is definitely a difference in tenderness. And I'd say, you know, even the flavor is probably a little better, at least for deer. I know it is, but I, I really enjoyed the hen that I killed. Yeah. And I think maybe next week we'll go into more detail on it. We said that last week. But we do have a long interview for everybody this week. And, you know, I want the listeners to enjoy this interview because there's some really good stuff in it. We got a great guest. Just, you know, I'm going to say this and we can say it about 99% of the guests that we have on the show, but just all around general nice guy. Yeah. You know, he just, he's just a genuinely great guy. And yeah, he really is. Just, I've never even met him in person, but I can tell you he is just from talking to him on the phone. Just, uh, you know, there's a few of them out there. And when I think of people who are more eat up with turkeys than I am, Ron Jolly comes to mind. He, so He loves them. He you know? does. It's not just a, I want to kill them all kind of thing. I'm sure he likes shooting them, but you can tell he, he cares about preserving them. Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about. So, Ron and several other guys have started a new nonprofit to help benefit our wild turkeys. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about today with Ron is turkeys for tomorrow. And so I'm going to, I'm jumping around a little bit here because I feel like I need to go back and just address it very quickly. Next week, we're going to make it a point to talk a little bit more about our trip to Utah. Yeah. And this week, though, I want you guys to listen in, pay attention to this interview with Ron. And, you know, if you like what you hear and you want to help out, please do. That is absolutely 100% your decision to make. But, you know, it's a group of guys that have stepped up and said, hey, we need to do something. Absolutely. If there's any Tennesseans out there, and you want to shoot me a message, maybe we could brainstorm on ways to hit a $25,000 diamond to get some money straight to Tennessee. I'm, I'd be in on that. If anybody wants to work on that together, just shoot me a message and we'll see about what we can do. Just think if the day that you put in for that Nevada draw, you had gone and bought 
a lottery ticket, you could have bought the state of Nevada and given $25,000 to turkeys for tomorrow and still have a few pennies left over to play with. I think the Powerball was what? 500 and something million? Half a billion dollars? I want that thing. It would be the greatest and worst thing for turkeys that's ever happened. Because that would help (laughs) propagate them like crazy, but I'd shoot the heck out of them if I won that much money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Instead of of these guys having the quill preserves, you'd be the first person to have a turkey preserve. Oh, yeah. You know, shoot a shoot a covey of turkeys 12 in a day and pay thousand dollars you'd have pin raised turkeys out there flushing oh, up yeah. the dogs yeah i don't know that i'd quite do that i like kind of the style of hunting i'm doing right now but it'd be a bad day for them because i wouldn't have to work anymore i'd be able to put it right on them but speaking well, but before we hop in with jolly you got to tell us how many oh, days man. you got to yeah. turkey season because it's starting to get exciting Heck, I almost forgot about that, and I'm just sitting here with just a huge grin on my face, and I don't know that too many people will be able to wipe that off of there for the next 23 days, 22 hours, 41 minutes, and 15 seconds. Wow. In 36 days and 22 hours, 7 minutes, and 52 seconds, we'll be hunting in Tennessee, but this is the last podcast for 2021 that is before a spring turkey season opens you realize that it's remarkable this weekend the youth will be putting a whoop on the first osceola gobblers down in south florida and we wish the utes much luck we know some utes who are out there right now or headed out there right now yeah to give it a go and i hope that they have a lot of success i do too so good luck to the youth this weekend in south florida we'll try to keep everybody updated each week on new openings that are happening for the season because starting this weekend somebody's going to be opening new every weekend for quite a while (laughs) yes indeed yeah yeah all Uh, right well then get us to there let's go yeah let's go talk to ron jolly y'all tune in and listen to this great interview we'll see you on the other side Hey everybody, Cameron and I are excited to tell you that we have on the line with us this evening, Mr. Ron Jolly, and you guys probably know that we've had Ron on the show with us before to talk about his book, Memories of Spring, and tonight we've got Ron on the line with us to talk about a little different venture that he's got going on, and that is Turkeys for Tomorrow, and so... I'm just going to go ahead and ask the first question. Ron, how are you this evening? I'm great, guys. Thank you all so much for having me on and letting me tell you the story of what we think is a great, great thing for the future of our wild turkeys. Well, I'm excited about hearing about it. I told Cameron we were talking when I finally got Skype to work before we called you. We were talking. I said, you know, I I don't know anything about it, so... It'll be new to me and be a good opportunity for me to pick your brain about it. So I want to yeah. want to thank you for taking time out of your evening to come on and share that with us. And how, before we get into it, and I know that's not what this call is about, but how are the book sales doing? I, I know, you know, without having an NWTF convention, that may have slowed, slowed a little bit of the sales down for you at least this month, but you've been selling quite a few of them. Yes, thanks for asking. The book is done beyond what Tess and I ever hoped it would do, and it's still going well. I certainly missed the NWTF convention, seeing all of our friends and 
Yeah. You know, manufacturing partners and all those people. What a what a grand time that always is. But we did a couple things that I think really helped it. We partnered with Preston Pittman and we built a limited edition commemorative box call, about 200 calls. And we, Preston is just a, as everybody knows, Preston is a call building and turkey calling guru. And so we collaborated on that project. We built 200, numbered them, signed them. And we've got a few of them left, but not many. And uh, what we're going to do, we're probably going to do at least four more, maybe five more friction calls. They're made of this this particular call. The first one is bird's eye maple chassis and you don't see many box calls built out of that it's got a hickory lid it's got memories of spring graphics on it so that helped book sales actually and it's really been a fun project i had no idea how hard it is to make a box call <laughs> had no idea yeah <laughs> yeah i tell you what i really enjoyed your book i don't think i've gotten to talk to you on the phone since i read it but it was a incredible read i finished it within days of getting it from andy when he picked one up for me at last year's convention I thank think, you sir i think you still owe me for that book cameron it was a hundred and seventy two dollars and eighty four cents no 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 it was 225 <laughs> that's right it was signed so yeah you forget andy it was signed so. <laughs> that just goes to show well, all the listeners how smart of a guy ron is because he's gonna ask me to cut him in on halvesies <laughs> When it was it was worth it was worth twenty five dollars to test signed it. <laughs> That's right. She did sign them. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it really was a great read. I, I appreciate it, and I would encourage any of our listeners looking for a turkey hunting book to read. Memories of Spring by Ron Jolly is it's in the top ten for sure, especially for a newly written book. Thank you, sir. And if they want to pick up a copy and want a signed copy, they need to order directly from you? Yeah, you can just contact us on Facebook or Messenger. Okay. Or we, you know, for for signed copies, but it's on Amazon. You can get it there. You know, this is, this is the first book I've ever done. And, you know, it's, I said, it's probably going to be my last, but I'm thinking about maybe doing another one. It's, it's been that much fun. That's Good. Awesome. You'll sell one. I know. Well, let's well, go ahead and double that order. Years, it took 22 years to write that one, so I got to hurry up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Well, last time we had you on, we did not do a fun thing that we like to do with our guests called the rapid fire Q and A, and I think that'd be pretty cool to do with you if you're up for it. I'm up for anything. Do I do I do y'all grade the responses or is it just <laughs> me hanging not, it out there? No, we're not gonna sit and judge each response, you know, by its merit. I don't we, get an A or an F or something like that. No. You you will okay, pass I'm in. no doubt. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, well Andy's the he's the quizzer. Cameron scolded me the last time that I did this because he said I gave the guest that we had on the show an F. You did. I don't I, remember giving him an F. I think I gave him it was more like a D, D plus. Yeah, you said I'll he was like F, I'll take F for fun. How's that? All there right, you go. We're gonna do it. So, I like how you agreed to do this, and you don't even really know what we're gonna do. So, <laughs> hey guys, when you get as old as me and been around as long as I have, there's not many surprises left. Okay. <laughs> And no first that I know of. <laughs> there you go. So we do this thing we call the rapid fire Q&A. 
and the rapid fire Q&A is me asking you 30 questions, all turkey hunting related. No physics, no calculus, none of that stuff. And it's just really questions that you probably would talk about around the campfire at camp in the evenings after a turkey hunt. Just kind of an opportunity to give people an opportunity to just kind of a chance for people to get to know you a little bit better and that kind of thing. So I'm going to pull the timer up because that's what you didn't know. I'm going to start a stopwatch. I'm going to start the stopwatch as soon as I start the first question. And we're going to run through these and see if you can beat the fastest time out of all of the people that we've had on the show that have answered this particular set of questions. And you may be surprised to know that a fast-talking Yankee has the fastest time. Imagine that. I'm telling you. <laughs> Tony Caggiano has the fastest time at 2 minutes and 34 and some change seconds. Okay. I'm getting ready for my elf. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't talk fast. It's all good. It's really just a way to break the ice. The timing there is for those That's that are just extremely competitive. I think I took about four minutes when I did it. So, okay, you know, and, and I will promise you this, you're going to have a hard time beating the worst time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Grilled. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat with cola or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? Two. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? The second. Your favorite camo pattern? One that hides me best. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dog. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. The state you killed your first turkey in? Louisiana. The state you killed your last turkey in? Alabama. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Running gun, not shoot. Rios or Osceolas? Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Red dot. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Snake boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Home. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? On camera, 32. I didn't shoot any of them. Least <laughs> Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Alabama. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Yelp. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Four. Favorite turkey hunting book? Tom <laughs> Kelly. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? My dad. Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Impatience. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? The bag limit is all you want and it lasts forever. Oh my goodness. Man, he killed that. You killed it. I get a B. <laughs> you got you got an A plus on it. You have the Well if I didn't beat if I didn't beat that Yankee, it's because your southern draw was slow with the question. <laughs> <laughs> calling you out andy you got an f on this one he's right <laughs> <laughs> how about no offense my yankee friend <laughs> how about two minutes and 34.5 seconds 
Dang. Caggiano was two minutes and 34.28 seconds. And I've got to say that I cannot promise over a quarter of a second that I nailed that right on the timer for either of you. So, dude, you bobbled. You bobbled one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you at an honorable mention. That is, that was, that was great. That I'll was tell you solid. What, I, I could have done it faster, but the part about heaven, I wait. I that's not a waste of my time, boys. There you go. There you go. I'll gladly take second place. Well, that's a good Lord in it. That was, yeah. that was fun and when i got about two questions in and i realized ron's going for this (laughs) i wanted to give you the chance so we we got in there and got her done but that was a lot of fun i appreciate you playing along with that absolutely that was fun thank you very much did you notice the easterns never lost i did that's right (laughs) i definitely did no doubt about it that season that you filmed 32 turkeys and you didn't shoot one i bet you still had a pretty fun time that was a that was an incredible year. I started in Florida in early March, and I ended up, I think, in New Mexico in the end of May. And it was, you know, it was every day somewhere. If I if I, if I didn't hunt, I was traveling to a hunt. And the only turkey that I was supposed to kill was in New Mexico. And Will Primos called me and said, "Dolly, I got some good news and bad news." I said, "What's that? You want the bad news first? I said. Why not? What a choice do I have? <laughs> so he said, I know you got your bow with you, and the good news is that Walmart's picked up our truth one elk, truth five or six turkeys, or and truth four deer. And that was a long. That's another story all in itself because that was a long term struggle to try to sell to Walmart for the first time and not lose your dealer base on the local level. Yeah. He then he says and. Golden Eagle has stepped up, and they're going to be a big sponsor, and they want a turkey killed with a bow. Hmm. Okay? <laughs> so David Card and I were in in, a, in north central New Mexico, and he upped this turkey up, and I center punched him, and that sucker ran twice and lost his wings and went off that mountain, and I never found him. Oh. I decided right then and there, that was the first year in, I don't know, probably 25 years that I didn't kill a turkey. And I made this decision that sh- that turkey hunting for me is a shotgun sport. Yeah, I agree with you. that's that's what I came to as well. I, I do take a bow some, but I use the broadhead that you shoot for the head, and that is only so that I either 100% miss or he's 100% dead. Well, they didn't have those back then, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't killed one with it yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at, at that time, we were shooting satellite Titan broadheads, and I had come up with the idea that if I took a Dremel tool and cut notches in the in the big cutter blades, not the bleeder blades, but the big cutter blades, and I angled them forward, that they would catch feathers, and that was my idea to slow it down because, you know, nobody was... Will Walker had killed a few turkeys with a bow, but I didn't know anybody else at that time who's actually killed turkeys with a bow. So mm-hmm. I thought if I cut these notches, it'd drag enough feathers, catch enough feathers. Well, it didn't. <laughs> and, you know, that was just heartbreaking to me. But I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing, no worse feeling than that, in my opinion. But Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I remember the, the first bird that I know that I could prove 
that I wounded when I shot it with a shotgun, and I was sick for a week. I mean, mm. it, it just, mm. and, and still, now that I'm th- talking about it again, makes me sick just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, and, and no telling how many I'd wounded up to that point and never knew that, you know, a pellet cut a feather or since then. But I found blood on that one and never could find that turkey. Mm. Yeah, so it's Very incredible. It's disheartening. They're you know. tough birds. They yeah. they don't want to die just as much as we're wanting them to, but it is <laughs> it is no fun to do that for sure. But well, yeah. tell us about the new venture. I've seen it on social media now. It's picking up some traction, and I'm excited about turkeys for tomorrow. Even though I don't even think I get the whole picture. Could you tell us some about it? And how did it come about? Well, I don't know how much time you guys got, but it, <laughs> it started for me at the NWTF convention. It actually started for me when I knew, when I was told that I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. at the Federation Convention. And I don't know, you know, I'm I'm a born-again Christian, and I believe in in Jesus, and there's something came over me. First of all, I still don't 100% believe that something's right when I'm standing on the stage and Preston Pittman and Will Primos are telling me I'm going into the Hall of Fame and they're not in it. That's just, in my mind, I have a hard time wrapping it around that. So when when it finally sank in that that wasn't a cruel joke conjured up by Preston Pittman, <laughs> that, you know, okay, you know, there's something going on here, so you need to, you need to do this right. And in my acceptance speech, the Lord laid it on me to share what I already knew. Is wild turkey that we have today and our deer and our quail and our the whole thing, the, the great opportunities we have in this country is all due to hunters. Hunters paid for it. When you buy a hunting license, those funds are eligible for three-to-one matching funds from the Wildlife Restoration Act, which is better known as the Pittman-Robertson Act. So, and you, you guys are probably not old enough, but we brought the turkeys back from the brink, and the state agencies did that. They had the foresight to create partnerships with landowners and hunters and all the people to let's do it, you know. So the trap and relocate stuff, that was all paid for in the beginning, for sure, by $100. And the agencies had the foresight, the equipment, the personnel, to take on that huge undertaking all across this country. So when that all came together, in my lifetime, I went from when I was a young man or a boy, if I heard a turkey gobble in Louisiana, northeast Louisiana, where I grew up, if we heard a turkey gobble in a little 10-day season, it was a success. Mm-hmm. And I, I lived through the heyday in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s when it was at its peak. And then, you know, I've had all that bliss and joy. And I was fortunate enough to actually get paid to go out and show people how it's done with a video camera and with a, a pen or typewriter. And yeah. we've shared that and we've put that message out there. And guys, I think there's like 6 million people hunting these turkeys today. Well, something has changed and it could just be the natural cycle that upland birds go through or turkeys go through, you know, peaks and valleys. But a lot of people suspect this something else. Suspecting it and proving it are two different things. I suspect, you know, it's several things. 
So long story short, I, it's hard for me to condense since last June to today in a paragraph or two. But in June, a bunch of my old buddies from the Primo's days and Woodswise days, and they came to the convention, and we decided, you know what? I hadn't seen some of those guys in 20 years or 30 years. We decided we probably ought not wait another 25 years to do this again. So we gathered in June at White Oak Plantation, a reunion of sort where, you know, we just we cooked crawfish and, you know, ate catfish and shot custom-made rifles and, you know, just had, had a ball. Yeah. But on Saturday that day, everybody knew that the whole mission of that reunion was for us to sit down and talk about what's going on with turkeys where you hunt. So there were 12 old grizzled guys like me and two beautiful ladies like Tess and Jill Easton, who's Jim Spencer's wife. And we sat around in a roundtable discussion, what's happening with your turkeys in Arkansas or Louisiana or Mississippi and Alabama, the four states represented. There were 500 years of turkey hunting experience sitting at that table. And the deal was, tell me what's happening in Arkansas. Ask a question. If you think that's a question that you think, if answered correctly or addressed properly, would change things in your area. So at the end of the day, there were 14 or 15 questions, I forget. And I wrote a story, and it's in the current issue of Gamekeepers Magazine by Mossy Oak. And that, the subtitle to that, well, the title is What's Going On With Our Turkeys or something like that. But the subtitle is If Not You, Who? And the you in that is directed at hunters because the state game agencies are doing all they can do. They have they have a budget, and they got to spread it out over the whole spectrum of wildlife management in their state. So if we can raise funds and direct them straight to that agency for turkeys. We, we love the deer. We love the ducks. We love all that. But we focused on turkeys. And, you know, to be realistic, the United States of America is a big, big place. So we decided to focus our initial efforts on the southeast because the southeast is where the problem is apparently most apparent. Well, there's a, an organization called Southeastern Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, which comprise 17 southeastern states. And within that group, they've had the foresight to form the Wild Turkey Working Group. And that group is comprised of the biologists, or up, the turkey biologists or upland bird specialists from each of those agencies, and they collaborate. They swap ideas. They try to identify problems that they think are affecting the turkeys, and then the agency takes those recommendations and tries to focus on it from what they're saying. Well, you got to remember their funding comes from license sales, the, the lion's share of it, and license sales are diminishing. They're on a downward trend. Mm -hmm. So it was just very apparent to us, why not try to raise money? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. They know the problems. They've got the resources, the personnel, the equipment to do it. So if we just put the money in their hands and they're the logical people to fix it again. Mm. I didn't do that one in 22 minutes and 23 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't timed on that one either, though. So, you know, we, I saved it. <laughs> we, want, we want the scoop on this. So what are some of the 
things that you expect the states to do with the money that's raised? Well, can I read you our mission statement first? Please, absolutely. Yes. Uh, you can go to turkeysfortomorrow.org, and you can see all the stuff I'm talking about. Same handle on social media for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But the mission statement is we support and promote science, conservation, education, and hunting traditions for America's wild turkey resource by working alongside like-minded organizations, state wildlife agencies, hunters, landowners, and universities to ensure we all have turkeys for tomorrow. And that's a little short paragraph, guys, but there's about three months of <laughs> arguing back and forth on what those four sentences were going to say. And uh, it's, you know, we try to cover everybody who we think can make a difference in it. Right. But what we're going to do to cut to the chase, if you click on the website, right under the mission statement, there's a read more button. I'll do that right quick. I'll, I'm not reading anymore. I'm just going to tell you. The one thing that we're going to ask the agencies to do is to sign a, a memorandum of understanding. And that memorandum says that they agree to let us work with their experts and biologists to identify an issue and let those biologists tell us where we can best apply the funds we raise. With that, there's a responsibility that we're going to ask before we do that from the state itself. And that is, once we apply those funds, we expect a itemized summary and report of where the money was spent. It can only be spent for turkeys, and it must be applied for matching funds, and we get a probably a monthly or quarterly progress report from the people applying that, that money to the project. In turn, on probably a quarterly basis, but absolutely there will be, on our part, a post or, or a report on the progress of these agencies back to our contributors, because we want them to know where their money's going. We don't, you know, we want them to see and see the results. So that's, we're trying to build transparency into this. Yeah. Yeah. I like that y'all are going to make them line item and you will be able to make sure your funds are being used for the intended purpose. I, that really is intriguing to me. Well, we haven't done it, but I can tell you we will. Uh, and it may start with one state. The first state that does it, we may have to prove ourselves there. We, guys, we launched this thing a week ago tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's going to be a bump in the road. There's, there's no doubt about it. There may be something that we have to back up and rethink, but we're not going to get away from that mission statement. That mission statement is in stone. It's, it's in our bylaws. That's what we're going to do. Very good. I like that. Are you, I know it's only been a week. Do you think y'all, you know, Southeast, are you going to focus your efforts, immediate efforts on states like Arkansas and Louisiana, would you say? They seem to be in the most trouble of their Southern states. If, if I was a member of the Wild Turkey Working Group, Cameron, I could probably give you an answer. I'm going to wait on them to tell me. Okay. We're going to wait on them to tell us. Uh, one thing is, is intriguing. I know for a fact there's going to be a project started in Missouri this spring. It's a five-year look at radio collar and newly hatched pole. That that intrigues me because they, they'll see the hen with nine poles or seven poles. Well, three days later, she's got four or two. Where are they going? They want to figure that out. Yeah. I, you know, I, and nobody, there's one wildlife restoration 
specialist in our group. But in our group, we have a former director of Arkansas Game of Fish sitting on our board. We're closely aligned with with the people that I've that we've been able to reach out to in a wild turkey working group on on their thoughts on how to best set this up. So what that does by having a former director of that agency of one of these big agencies, he's been able to kind of grease the wheels for us a little bit. But if you say that's going to offend somebody or it's not going to fly politically, and so we've done our best to make this the easy medicine to take because. Here's what's going to happen. I know you guys have heard about what's probably going to happen in Alabama in 2022. There's a motion table uh, to open the season on the 1st of April and cut the, from five to three. Well, if that's the right thing, I'm all for it. But the agencies who do those things, that's going to be, that's not going to be a popular decision. It's not going to be, you know, it's going to be a PR nightmare if you think about it. Um, so another thing that we hope to be able to do and are pretty sure we can is bring guys like Ray I or Preston Pittman or Cuz or whoever, Michael Waddell, Dave Owen with the Pinotti Project, Chris Eastridge, those young old guys, it's it's not just young or old. To fix this it's gonna take everybody. And you know, if it if it happens real fast and they put us we're out of business, I'm gonna go turkey hunting and crappie fishing. But we're in this to win it. And nobody can do that except these agencies. They are statutory, statutorily, excuse me, statutorily challenged and charged to manage and protect the wild the wildlife resource. So nobody else can do it. Yeah. I noticed on your page there was an events tab and there's nothing under it yet. I know it's only a week, but what kind of events are y'all, you know, kind of envisioning maybe coming? Well, right now, the first thing you'll see there is, is we're going to do what we call an auction. We don't have members. We're not going to have card carrier members. We're asking for partners. So what we're trying to do is raise funds. So we're going to do a promotion there where I don't, a gentleman named Daryl Gregory is, is organizing that stuff, and he's going to have what Pressman Pittman calls a sack full of calls plus one of a kind. And that's one of everything that Preston makes plus a one-of-one call. And then Pistol Creek is one of our other sponsors. It's going to do the same thing. So the first, you know, we'll probably launch that hopefully next week, that initiative, and probably the 1st of April or the, the guys who reach a bronze-level partner that's donate or contribute $100, their name will go in a hat, and there will be two winners pulled out of that. Another initiative that will go there is Mike Robert in Florida is – the X call company and he, he's he's a he's a master craftsman and he's gonna do a set of calls that he would sell for more than a thousand dollars and he's gonna do that for that next that thousand dollar minimum partner. We're trying to raise funds guys. So you gotta <clears throat> we're coming up with gimmicks. At some point, you know, down the road we may have a, a hunt for youth. We may have right now, I don't know, you know. A week into it, it's, it's hard to imagine, but we tried to put things there. That represents things we hope to do in the future. We're going to have in the, in the news event, you know, there's stories by Corky Pugh and Jim Spencer and me, and we're going to do a regular thing where we take one of Miss Tess's behavior pictures, and we're going to put it there, and we're going to ask these biologists, 
from these from these cooperating states to say, tell me what's odd about that about that photo, what that turkey's doing, how rare is it to see that, things like that that educate people who don't. They see that, but they didn't catch it in that one five hundredth of a second like she does. Mm. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you're not going to have card carrying members that you have asked people to be partners. What What's yep. involved in being a partner? Just go to the website, and it, there's a in the banner at the top that says "Become a Partner." And a partner is a minimum of a $25 donation. That's all it is. And you can go all the way up to $99 and be a partner. And we're going to send you a TFT window decal. And you, a bronze partner, minimum of $100, and it goes up. I don't know. I didn't look that to a thousand. I think, but it's just places where where you feel comfortable and you want to help turkeys to the extent you can. You can do that. But the best thing on that page is the diamond partner level. The diamond partner level is a minimum of twenty-five thousand dollars. And that level, if you reach that level, that money, you can designate it to stay in your state. So that twenty-five thousand dollars will go to your state and your agency, and they can pretty. There's about eighty-six, I think, I think percent chance that they can turn that $25,000 into $100,000. Right. So through the federal matching funds. So, you know, we originally were going to set this up as if you donate in Alabama, your money stays there. But it, we quickly learned that what if somebody donates $50 in Michigan and it stays in Michigan? That's not going to do anybody any good. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we are. Like I said, this could change, but that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll, if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you'll see some people who already put their money where their mouth is. Pistol Creek Game Call, Longleaf Camo, Preston Pittman, Great Day Outdoors, Jaeger Pro, and X Call. They believe in what we're trying to do. And, you know, guys, this has been an amazing ride. It really has. And you can't make this stuff up. The things I could tell you that have, that have got us to this point. You know, this started with 12 guys putting up a little bit of pocket change. And, you know, that's how we started this. You know, you you know what it takes to go get a set of lawyers to, to get a 501c3 status. You know what it takes to get somebody to build this website. We didn't put up that much money. <laughs> we didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. So this is pretty interesting to me. You know, the NWTF serves a mission for the wild turkey and for us hunters us turkey sure. hunters and you know they they do work closely with a lot of other agencies or or I should say not agencies even though they do that but what I was looking for there was they work closely with a lot of other organizations and kind of team up with those organizations like Quill Unlimited or you know whatever it happens to be Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and you know they'll they'll go in and and try to tackle these bigger habitat management projects and that kind of stuff and so but there's also a a lot of stuff that the nwtf does that does not get that you don't really see at the state level and i think that's a issue that a lot of people who are not members with the nwtf or members of the nwtf i think that's one of the common complaints that i hear about the organization is you know well they're they're worried about turkeys in idaho or just and you hear this a lot with Arkansas turkey hunters. The NWTF hadn't done anything for Arkansas, and I know well, that's, that's wrong, not true. I know that's not true, but you know what you're doing is is a little bit different. And you know, I, I like 
what you guys have envisioned in in working closely with the universities for research and you know working closely with the state wildlife organizations or or agencies and and that kind of thing I, you know I, I think it's a i think it's a great thing y'all are doing here well i was <laughs> sitting here thinking about you know donating to the cause kind of thing and I, I think what i might do this year is set an affordable dollar amount and every time i kill a turkey maybe i'll send y'all a check for that and that way i kind of feel like every time i take one maybe i'm putting one back you know it's an awesome idea yeah and hope, so hopefully i send y'all a bunch of money well you could also do that when one beats you too you know <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> Oh, send some money so y'all put a good two-year-old on the landscape for me next year <laughs> absolutely you, you know you, you'd do better off if i did it every time i got beat by one cameron doesn't he's in that that phase right now ron where he beats more than he gets beaten by so i don't think i'll ever swing the favors that that good but i try <laughs> well it's it's great to know that we got them to chase and that absolutely. a lot of people care enough about them to try to make a difference. But when you go back to what you said about NWTF, the NWTF put the spotlight on this great, great resource we have in the sport, and they've done wonderful things. They really have. We just feel that there's an opportunity here to do something that may be a little more focused that might grab in some of those probably 5 million people who enjoy and love and hunt these birds who don't belong to the NWTF. Mm. So there's plenty of fertile ground, guys. You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a member and I will be till I die the NWTF. Right. The most humbling thing that ever happened in my life, I owe to the NWTF. But the most, <laughs> the most pleasure of anything that I get out of my life, other than my God and my wife and my family, is having wild turkeys in my yard. And mm-hmm. you can argue with wanting to have more of them. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer to me. I can't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that that hits the nail on the head. And, you know, we're still living in a time where turkeys are plentiful. Now, granted, there's not nearly as many as there used to be. But one of my favorite quotes that I think pertains to the turkey is, we're sitting in the shade today because somebody planted a tree a long time ago. And (laughs) that's what happened with the turkey. People cared enough and brought them back. And I don't want to be the generation that gets rid of them again. (laughs) I want the next generation to have just as many, if not more, than we have. See, there are so many ways that people like Ray I and Preston and, you know, whoever who's who's been doing this forever and, and made big names for themselves to influence the guys who are coming up behind us. Look at, look at, for instance, Dave Owen with the Pinotti Project. He's got a huge following. And none of those people follow me, guys. But Dave can influence those guys to, to look at things a little different way. You know, maybe it's going to slow down. Maybe we have to throttle ourselves a little bit. Maybe we have to support these agencies through the tough times. Because I promise you, the worst PR nightmare for for an aid for a state conservation agency is to tell you they're going to take away your time or your bag limit. But that's a difficult, hard decision that they got to make when they when they know that they have the science to back it up, and that's what's going to turn this thing around over time. Because it's not going to happen in a year; it can happen in two or three. Right. You know, 
if we get great recruitment and, you know, everybody focuses in on it and let them get it done. But in the meantime, don't beat them up. They don't want to do it. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. So you need to get behind them and, and convince your buddy, say, hey, report, report your harvest. That's another thing that, that is mind-boggling to me. We have In Alabama, we have a game check system that is designed for one thing. It's not designed to take away or in, from your ability to harvest animals, deer or turkeys. It's designed so the people who make those decisions on how many and when you can do it is based on scientific data. And if they, if they are getting bits and pieces of it, they're going to make those decisions anyway. Why not let them make the right one? So mm-hmm. get on game check in, anywhere. Those people need to know hunters are the best observers in the world. You just you think about that. You're out there, you know, during the season. You know what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know if your turkey populations are down or if you see a turkey that's sick with pox or one that's been caught and killed by a cat or a bobcat or something. You see that. So there's things you can do on your own that make it easier for those guys. And that's give them information they need so they make it when they make that decision it's the right one yeah yeah totally agree so you mentioned that the state agencies may have an opportunity to do some dollar for dollar matching or even three to one matching so i probably should should say it this way you know that they've got the opportunity to do some dollar matching period with the with the feds is that yep something that is 100%? I mean, are they going to be able to turn $1 into into 4 total, most of them, you think? If you if you purchase a hunting license in any state in the United States, the same for fishing license, it's a different thing. That's the Dingle Johnson Act. The Pittman-Robertson Act was passed in 1937, I believe. And that is a, and I don't have my stats in front of me, but it's a, I think it's like an 11% self-imposed tax on, on rifles pistols, shotguns, ammunition, hunting-related stuff. Hunters impose that tax on ourselves, and those dollars are collected by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Don't hold me to that. But the feds get it, and I'm pretty sure it's the Fish and Wildlife Service. And then they look at your state. If you sold, just for simplicity, if your state sold $100,000 worth of hunting license, that is automatically matched three to one through the Federal Wildlife Restoration Act, Pittman-Robertson Act. Same on fishing, but we're talking turkeys here. Mm-hmm. Now, the monies that are donated are raised and donated to these agencies by nonprofits. As best I can tell, it's some around 87% of the time they're able to get the same matching funds. So, you know, $100,000 can be a big, big ticket item if, if it qualifies. There are certain things that those monies are not, those matching funds are not eligible for, and one of them is law enforcement. So the game warden stuff, no. But we're not talking, and even though they're a viable part, a big, big part of the whole conservation scene, they enforce the laws. They, you know, they do a lot of things, but they're not eligible. I don't know why, but, but that's that's a fact. But these projects that they have, mostly for habitat restoration, case studies, research on a certain issue. So when we just when the when the, the biologists convince the TFT board that this is where the money needs to go, and hopefully 
there'll be some across state lines cooperation. You know, the same problem in Georgia could be in Alabama. So why not get those guys working together to figure it out? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all kinds of possibilities. And it's, it's huge, huge. It takes a big imagination right now from where we sit with <laughs> no money, <laughs> practically no money, especially no money to tackle something like that. But we can get there. If everybody, if everybody thinks about it and you care about them enough, how hard would it be for somebody to get seven or eight of his buddies who rode the turkey hunt and get out and do barbecues or whatever you need to do to raise $25,000 that's going to can stay in your state for nothing but turkey research and management. It's not that hard. Yeah. You mentioned that the money that you guys raise and give to or donate to these state agencies is going to be earmarked for turkeys. How did you work that out? We haven't yet. <laughs> okay. But until we do, they won't get it. Right. So they, so, they need to get the money or or not. So that sounds like to me. I mean, to me, that's just that's pretty simple. You know, you don't you don't go buy a car or a truck and give somebody your money till you get what you want out of it. So we've made some inroads. I've talked to director Sykes here in Alabama. I've talked to the folks in Kentucky. I've talked to the folks in Georgia. Talk to the folks in Mississippi and Arkansas. And my belief is when we get a sizable amount of money in the coffer and we say, okay, who wants it? I think, I know if I was sitting in that chair, I would I would sign up for that. All I had to do is spend it on turkeys and tell these guys where it went and what it did. Right. That's kind of another no-brainer to me. Is there a way, I'm just thinking to ensure that if they use your funds on the turkeys to make sure they aren't going to use what they typically would use for turkeys for something else, you know? I, I can't I can't answer that, Cameron, and I don't, you know, I, I can't imagine them doing that. Yeah. I, unless we, we were able to give them enough money that they didn't need their own money for that and they could do something else, and I can't imagine that right now. Yeah. You know, I, I just can't. So I got a pretty big imagination, but it's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I hope they'll, you know, I hope y'all get a boatload of money, and I hope states are fighting over it, and the right state gets it, and it puts more turkeys on their landscape. That's what I'm I'm hoping for you guys. Well, ideally, in, in time, in the future, if this thing takes on it, takes legs and, and does, I mean, we don't want to just stay in the southeast. I mean, the story that's in the Gamekeepers magazine, when I pitched that to the editor, he says, well, I hear about it in the southeast, and we've written a story not long ago about that. But where I hunt in Minnesota and Michigan and Illinois, we got more turkeys than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I said, God bless you, brother. God bless you. But if you don't figure out what's going on down here, who's to say that won't be you in five years? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 20 years ago, we didn't think it was going to happen to us in the Southeast. And now. Well, the good news is, the good news is, we're nowhere near the brink. You know? No. Yeah. No. We're, we're nowhere near the worst it's ever been. But I don't, I don't want them to wait till we get there to start trying. And I don't think any turkey hunter would, you know. No. So you got five on your farm. We're, we're blessed. We got four long beards and three Jakes here that test photographs. Well, I want 10. I'm selfish. I won't be <laughs> Absolutely. <it. laughs> yeah. I'm with you. But I stood I stood 
I stood on a hill here this morning, and these gobblers were still bunched up. The hens were bunched up, and gobblers were just went on the other side of the hollow from the from the hens. And I stood on a hill where ten years ago I was standing on that hill on the morning like this, and I would hear turkeys that direction and that direction and that direction and across the highway. The only turkeys I heard this morning were right here, that mm-hmm. one bunch. So yeah. this is the first year we've had poles on our farm. This 2020 was the first poles we've had on this farm in four years. Yeah. Why? I, I have I have my suspicions. I know that feral hogs. I, I I can't prove it, but I sure as heck want somebody to find out because before we had hogs is when we had the turkeys, and the more hogs we had, for for example, a four year old buck ten years ago on this place would weigh 200 pounds. A five or six year old buck on this place now won't weigh 200 pounds. We've not killed a 200-pound buck on this place in three years. Mm. And we've taken, hogs seven, we've taken 700 hogs in one trap. Holy on cow. 700. <laughs> in, in four years with the Jaeger Pro trap. Good night. Years. And it's not just us. It's, it's, I, I know a guy fenced a 1,000 acres because he couldn't get – he got – so I – they won't be any more come in, and I'll just work on killing them in, in this. He thought that was the best alternative was to fence a thousand acres. So what do you do? I mean, I know they're working on that solution with all kinds of approaches. Jaeger Pro is, the, the feds are, and even the farm bill. There's a, a, a lot bigger attempt to address the, the feral hog issue in the federal farm bill. But I can tell you, when you get them, you don't get rid of them. Yep. You may be hog-free for a month, but when you're – if you got the groceries, they will come. Absolutely. Yep. And they'll eat till you don't have any more, and then they'll go eat your neighbors, and they'll come back when your grocery pantry has been resupplied. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and and that's that's a personal beef for me because I I, I <laughs> I've fought the hog war for like eight years now, and we've got it somewhat under control. I know that if a sander shows up here and they stay here a week, they leave here and somebody's cooler. But you know. If the neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor don't do it, right? It's just you know, it's a it losing come. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But you got to fight it. Yeah, you sure can't win it if you don't fight it. You're right, no doubt. Well, Cameron, you have any other questions about turkeys for tomorrow for Ron? I think I'm I'm good. I know how to get involved now. So if y'all have any events planned for Tennessee or something, you let me know, and I'm definitely willing to help out around Tennessee if I can. Well, the, the best thing that everybody can do is go to the website at turkeysfortomorrow.org and just spend some time surfing around and and get get an idea of what we're trying to do. There's a, there's a place in there that everybody can get involved to some extent, and then and you can go to their social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, you know, like and share and comment because we're open to ideas and we're looking for suggestions that, that we can handle and, and uh, we're looking for partners and I hope that everybody can buy in and we're going to do our best. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight this fight, boys. I'm in. I hear you. I'm glad to, glad to hear it too. Well, good deal. Well, I Ron. didn't need this. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really need this in my life, but I think that, I'm certainly glad that, that good Lord put it in my in my lap and with this group of guys that you know, they're they're passionate and we're 
studying it, trying to you know make those relationships. And and as you all know, in this in this industry, it's all about relationships. So check us out and help us out if you can. Yep, I would encourage all of you guys listening to the show to definitely do that. Go on the website; it's turkeysfortomorrow.org. Check it out, and if you feel inclined to become a partner and make a donation, then please do so. And if you have questions or anything, there's a actually a, a tab on the website to contact. So there's a contact page there and you can complete that and submit that. There's also a phone number. And I am sure that if you call that number, I'm sure somebody would answer it and be glad to help you out or answer any questions that you might have. So that would be David Carden. He's our, he's the president and, He's, he's. If you want to, you want the antithesis of that Yankee you were talking about. That's David Carden. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. I see a six six two area code, so I know where that is. And yeah, that's uh, that's not a fast talking Yankee. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> thank Mr. you Ron, guys thank so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, Ron. You. It's always great having you on the show, and we get to have you on to talk about something like this. You know, we're we're glad to help out and do that, and help in any way that we can. And so, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come share that with us. My pleasure, and y'all have a blessed spring and plenty of goblin turkeys. You too. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Goodbye. All right. You know, like I said before, we jumped into it. If you guys see fit to become a donor or sponsor for them then i know that they'll put that money to good use and it will not go to waste they'll make sure that that money is going to benefit wild turkeys whether you know we didn't really go into this a whole lot about you know the donations to the universities and that kind of thing that are actually doing research projects but that's a place where they can put the money right away very quickly, whether it's buying equipment or just donating cash, whatever it happens to be. And so, yeah, you know, this, this thing could, this could be a big deal for a lot of us. It really could. It, it, it's going to be up to the people. I mean, it's either going to be a big deal or it could be that it doesn't work out. I mean, it, it's going to be up to you and me and our donations and that type thing. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it at great length. I'm not going to talk about it too much more for the Tur- about the Turkeys for Tomorrow thing. But go to the website, check it out, turkeysfortomorrow.org. Don't forget, and that's the favor of the week, but also don't forget part two of the favor of the week, which was really the challenge of the week for last week. Still tied into the same theme here for every one turkey that you kill, try to trap five nest predators. And for those of you guys who have those trapping seasons in your state where you're not just free to trap any time of the year, your trapping season may be coming to an end very soon. So you got to pay it forward. So let's all do our part with that. You know, it's for one landowner to do that, it's not going to make a big difference. But if a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand landowners trapped five nest predators each lord that'd make a pretty big deal (laughs) so that's the challenge and if you guys want to share that challenge on social media we're not looking for any kind of credit throw it out there make the challenge yours challenge your turkey hunting buddies to trap five for every one so like it all right you want to wrap this thing up let's wrap it up okay take us away 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.